Welcome to The Pilgrims Digress. We are the pilgrims in question. I am Zach. This is Mr. Sagacity. Say hi, Mr. Sagacity. Hiya. Excellent. And we are here in a working <laughs> church office um, with a good possibility of thunder. So this could be, that would be really fitting. Wouldn't it? Like atmosphere-wise? Sons of thunder. <laughs> no, no, no. Just kidding. So random. Yeah, just a... Just a... Uh, I don't know. How how you doing? Like, uh... <laughs> You, you you wide awake? I've had a lot of caffeine today to make up for uh, a lack of sleep last well. night. Yeah. All right. Well, this should be... We're both here late. Just plugging away. Yeah, you plugging know. Plugging away. I have been so excited to see you and your wife uh, just pouring yourselves into this youth ministry, mm-hmm. relaunching, revamping a youth ministry, and 3.0. you guys are... I don't want you to start making me look bad by being here more than me. Oh. That, uh, I might have to like come in and, and kind of... Sabotage your efforts. Well, you have to be here more then. <laughs> it's a defeating purpose. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, we were both here late. Uh, I was up uh, muy late, um, mm-hmm. and I think that I've had enough caffeine. You know what? I haven't. Hold on a second. Okay. Holding. Imagery there. It's being seen. Here we go. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. You know, a sad That's the sound of espresso. The <laughs> sad thing this morning, our, our grinder. I was I was trying to grind espresso beans. Yeah. Seems to have died. Our burr grinder. It just stopped. Why haven't you made the jump onto a hand grinder? Dude, you- I the volume I deal in, it would I'd get carpal tunnel. Oh, you might deal with naked carpal tunnel. <laughs> All right. Now I have enough caffeine. All right. A little espresso. Look at the crema on that puppy. Look at that cream. That'll work. Okay. So let's talk about the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Back-to-back valleys. He thought that valleys this one valleys. couldn't be that bad, and yet it what was an idiot. Yeah. What an idiot. <laughs> what an absolute idiot. You know, we didn't talk about... How do you about, read that sign and not go, uh-oh. What we didn't talk yeah. about last week? Yeah. Absolute rubbage. Oh. Did you think that was stupid? Marin I think, laughed, I my wife think it was stupid. I think it's... Rubbage. Yeah. It's once, a worse word. Once in a while, I like to break in with something that seems very non-17th century. Well, you used... Okay, well, I guess you didn't... It's not quite the same thing, but I mean, we could always, you know, talk about quags. That's, that's something that's dominated our life. Since we read it, we, we, yeah, months we have, ago, yeah. yeah, yeah, almost a year ago now. Now I have Quags. seen um, different editions of the Pilgrim's Progress that, that don't use the word quag or don't shorten quagmire to quag because it hasn't. It's kind of fallen out of fashion. We're bringing it back. Not sixteen eleven. Sweat. It was a KGV only kind if you of can, quip. If you yeah. can find a sixteen eleven copy yeah, of a can. book that was written, in... you can't. You can't. It was just a. All right, we're all over the board, but here's the thing. We have time constraints. In one hour, men's group begins. Yeah. And uh, so we are... Failing to get this done quickly. <laughs> yeah. Let's jump right on it. I think the text we want to read to start everything out mm. is Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That is, when I hear valley of the shadow of death, what I think of. Yep. 
Now, in the King James, there are quite a few other occurrences of the phrase Valley of the Shadow of Death. Uh, most of them are not rendered that way in modern translations. But the idea of moving through a difficult, scary, lonely, solitary place where you're tempted to give up, mm. to turn back, to, to just quit, you're shuffling along, not because you even care, but just because what else am I going to do? Yeah. And, and remembering God is with you, I think, is so present in that, that shepherd's psalm. And right after it comes all sorts of good stuff. You know, yeah. a table. Uh, it, <laughs> there's something. There's, there's a flex that I like in you prepare a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I feast while they, yeah. while they look on. Uh, and, and, you know, this, this being a stage in the overall Pilgrim's journey is comforting in and of itself to me. Because when you're in it, it doesn't feel like a stage. It feels like the journey has just become this. Am mm. I right? Yeah. Yeah. You've, uh, you've taken those first steps into the marshes uh, to you know, borrow a Lord of the Rings reference. And everything forward is just going to be dark and grim. And it's going to be just one foot after another. And the weight on top of you is going to get heavier and heavier. And you're out of food and you're out of water. And your best friend is getting on, getting on your nerves. And everything's over. And there is no hope. And there is no light. Yeah, I think it's a, a regular part of the Christian life to kind of come to these valleys. Um, especially if we're, if we're Christians that are openly engaging with our culture around us. And we actually care about what's happening to people around us. It's going to get heavy and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and grim and dark and, and, and sad sometimes. Right. And when you're on a metaphorical, uh, allegorical mm-hmm. journey, once you've gone through it, you're through it. But in yeah. real life, yep. uh, it may be something that you return to a lot in one season and then not for years and then again a lot for a while and then infrequently. And, and I mean, uh, Bunyan doesn't present it as, you know, everything is rosy except for these couple of valleys. There's also right. been the slough. There's, there's lots of, there's, you know, Downing Castle and this giant despair. There's, there's, uh, there's plenty of, of stuff that, that threatens to drag you down. But the description of this valley, to me, is the most relatable aspect of all that. Hmm. I, not, I mean, I, I doubt like anyone doubts, but my salvation did not involve... Uh, an experience before uh, coming to faith of being dragged down and dragged away by the weight of my sin. Mm. Um, and doubt and despair are less likely to to get me than just hopelessness. Mm. I think for different people, it's probably different aspects. That's why he has so many different... Well, I mean, for Faithful, his jaunt has been fairly peaceful. At least through the Valley of the Shadow of Death, he has no problems. Right. In fact, in fact, he has just encouragement. He only reaches encouragement. And that's one of the fascinating things, I think, in the original book is just Bunyan's wisdom in saying that this walk is going to look completely different for different people. Yeah. And how, especially a lot of reflection on myself, me as a 28-year-old individual, I have a lot of insistences that I'm right and I want things done on my time. And I oftentimes push that off onto other people, you know, but their walk isn't my walk. They don't need to be where mm-hmm. I am, you know, um, and what and what they're going through isn't necessarily where I'm going through right. at a particular set of time. So that's a very humbling set of imagery in comparison to what Christian is seeing, um, to what Faithful is seeing. 
Yeah, I'm 28 as well, and uh, I find that there's... You don't look it. <laughs> well, I look, you look young. even younger. I look yeah, young. you look even younger, baby. <laughs> uh, so as he enters in, uh, Christian looks around, and he identifies this as a place that he recognizes from the book of Jeremiah. Just as a, a note, there is a lot of iffy application of text here in, mm. in some of this stuff, but I think all of it can be forgiven if you zoom out a little further. The prophet Jeremiah describing it as, quote, a wilderness, a land of deserts and of pits, a land of drought and of the shadow of death, a land that no man, and then it says in parentheses, except Christians, <laughs> uh, in, in one version, passes through and where no man dwells. Uh, that's Jeremiah 2.6. Obviously, if you look at the context of, of that passage, it, it may not exactly fit here, but the picture of a Negev, a wasteland, the Midbar. Dude, you're just a flexing machine. You know what it is? It's your young 28-year-old brain. <laughs> no, just... it's, it's my old 44-year-old brain uh, spending so much time yeah. lately uh, when I can't sleep on my Palm Pilot that I still yeah. use going through all the old flashcards. It's very, it's been very fun. Uh, but <laughs> the, the idea of a wasteland permeates Jewish and Christian culture and, and hmm. uh, Eastern culture. I mean, everything down to, even when you, if you wanted to talk about like sending the scapegoat out into the, the wilderness, Jesus being driven by the spirit out into the wilderness, you know. Punishment for the peoples to walk around the wilderness. Yeah, yeah, this, the, the, it's, yeah. It's such a hostile idea. And so I think anytime, whether it's describing what's going to befall the great cities of Israel's enemies or describing, yeah, the, the 40 years in the wilderness or whatever, mm -hmm. anytime we're describing uh, the, what is, you know, either it's become now a haunt of jackals or it always has been. Mm -hmm. uh, I was reading one, I think it was in, might have been in Isaiah recently where... It, it, the the big punishment was that there was going to be a bunch of groundhogs. And I was like, oh, that sounds oh. adorable. But uh, the idea yeah. that there were groundhogs meant this amazing civilization we've built up is now mm. crumbling down. It, it, it's become hostile to human life. And instead of feeling safe and secure, you feel like you are always in danger. Mm. And something at your back and, you know, skittery. I'm hoping... I'm really hoping that I had the effect that I wanted with the the creepy skittering sounds. If you're wearing headphones, especially yeah. if you're listening in the dark, I wanted you to be like looking <laughs> yeah. around, like ah, yeah, I don't like this. Yeah. Um, so that's all that to say. Some of these texts have a real particular context, but we're just going to zoom out and say what they're describing. At the end of the day, is a hostile, dangerous, indifferent land where there's mm. not much water and there's not much to survive on, but there is a lot of opportunities to die. Mm. Yep. Before he even gets there, though, he does come across a couple of helpful buddies. Even more. Even more helpful buddies. <laughs> he's, he's always running across these guys, and they, and they yeah. come in twos. Always. Uh, <laughs> we had Timorous and Mistrust telling him there's lions, which, by the way, there were. There were. Uh, and now these guys come, and they are of the 12 spies. Uh, of particularly of 10 of them. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I love, by the way, just the, the very idea of sending 12 spies, one from each tribe. Mm. They go, they see the giants. Yeah. Again, there are giants there. Yep. Uh, and coming back and saying, we can't do this, 10 of them. And two of them saying, no, look at these grapes. Look at how yeah. great our God is. Let's do it. And then the next time saying, well, let's send two. Yeah. <laughs> His last time sending 
because t- 12 well, only two actually yeah. worked out uh, so they these two guys come and it, it, at first he's like wait a minute you're from these <laughs> these mm. great heroes of the faith no we're from the other guys Bunyan didn't put together for him to say there's giants ahead hmm even though the giants are right after the valley. Right like, if you get valley, through, yeah. even then, there's giants. Which, for it fits so... Per- Maybe it's too on the nose for him. Mm. Although, this is an allegory that's pretty on the, well, nose, pretty on the nose sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was a clever way to, to uh, introduce the idea of the giants. Because you can't have a guy say, And then in my dream, I saw this and knew everything about it. Mm. <laughs> and mm. asked a guy standing nearby, and he told me more about it. Yeah. Uh, they come <laughs> in, and they say, you got to turn back. There is so much danger down here. Uh, why we were almost in the valley of the shadow of death, but through good fortune we happened to look ahead and see the danger before we came too near. And the text given there is Psalm 44, 18 and 19. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way, yet you have broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. Hmm. So they are certain that the narrow way, the path God's leading them on, is really bad for them. Really dangerous. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting because when he meets these people, presumably, unless they've come over the wall, right, the way that um, the way that a formalist and a hypocrite did, that they, you know, they've gone through these other things. They're yeah. on this narrow way. They've gone through these other things, and 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 then they're turning back. But what said, things do these they have to have it. gone through, right? Like just like Faithful has sunny skies, where they had mm. uh, some. Could they have not seen any danger till right now? Maybe they had mm. uh, easy travels until they hit this particular. So they so they don't go up hill difficulty. Right? Yeah, I suppose I suppose I'm they like, might have climbed the hill. Some kind of some kind of hardship, I think. Think yeah. it, it's it's not because because something hard would have had to have happened to convict them of their sins enough to get to the cross. Mm-hmm. Unless they've come in from a different way, because he's even faithful who since the cross right has had a fairly safe and sunny. You know, maybe a couple sleepless nights. Uh, he still had Moses beat the crap out of him, mm-hmm. and then you know, you know, stuff taken from shame, him, trying to drag him down and stuff. Yeah. So you you assume that they've come over some troubles. So what is it about this next set mm-hmm. that is so you know what is it about pagan and uh, pontiff that's so you know oh that just can't be done, or or, or just, just the sight of this the the, the, side of the clouds of confusion yeah. and death spreading its wings over I. I read this, and I don't assume they've come through the narrow gate and mm-hmm. via the cross. Uh, Bunyan himself writes that there are so many different yeah. roads butting up to it. You have the example of the the road right at Dead Man's Pass, mm-hmm. where these uh, robbers could come yeah. and just beat on uh, Little Faith, and you know. So there's these they, these guys. They're on a mission, right? Oh, mm-hmm. we're we're the children of famous spies. We got to go out and spy out this land. Yeah. And then in the tradition of our fathers, we got to go find people <laughs> yeah. and warn them yeah, against warn them going ahead. Yeah. Uh, this is this is what we do for many mm-hmm. generations. I guess really what I was saying though is that it's just interesting that that's their version of the narrow way. Mm-hmm. You know, inevitably they know it's going to lead to some kind of destruction, and then you know turn right around. I guess it makes sense if they don't have books. You know, mm-hmm. if they don't have books and they're not actually knowledgeable about this concept of the narrow way at all, and it, you know, you know, they just kind of stumbled in upon it and said, "Oh, well, that way leads to death," and they have no Christ, they have no victory, they have no thought of seeing His face and, you know, you know, seeing the celestial city. Then, yeah, it. Why not? Why not turn around at the first sight of trouble? And for Bunyan to have chosen these guys, yeah, right, because they had been some through some hardship. 
those ten spies had been in Egypt as slaves. Yeah. They'd seen great miracles. Uh, but then they thought our troubles are over. And then when they saw that there was actually more to do, more difficulty, God would be with them. Yeah. The same God who who parted the Red Sea would be with them. Hmm. But uh, no, we don't have any interest in that. Let's just, let's hold back. And in the same way, a lot of people, I think, they'll say to themselves, I've been through so much difficult stuff in my life. And then I turn to Jesus and someone told me he'll make everything better. Right. And the moment I get to a place where I say, oh, take up a cross. Hmm. Like deny myself right follow him through the valley of the shadow of and now i'm out Hmm. and turn back and probably bring a few with you as you turn back i think that bunyan must have seen in some of his contemporaries in the church visible uh the spirit of those 10 spies yeah uh the parable of the seeds kind of comes to mind right away um just you know going out onto this rocky rocky ground and immediately being choked away, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, you know, going out into the uh, unfit soil that has the rock bed underneath. So, you know, it grows up immediately and then dies away because it and has no roots. The thorns that choke it out. Choke it out. You, you, you look at this and you say... Worries and pleasures of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As soon as these tests come, um, you have nothing to base anything off. You have no firm foundation. You have no... You have no... Um, no deep root. Rock. Rock that's been cleft for you. You, mm-hmm. have, you have nothing to hold on to and uh, you're just going to have to give in you're going to have to give in walk away um, and then and you're right the truly demonic thing then is to also you walk away encouraging others around you to walk away as well because you didn't find satisfaction there so no one will uh, well, but, well all the while playing the good Samaritan mm. I don't want to see you fall you know in that yeah. in that awful place and, right. and, and enter into a difficulty and hardship and sorrow and and all the things that might go with it yeah mm. there's no way you can avoid that valley of forever though mm. you know if you don't go through it with Christ you'll go through it by yourself at some point in life there's there's no way to live I mean the whole uh, story behind uh, Buddhism right mm. Siddhartha's father said I'm gonna protect my son from ever you know feeling the the pain of living in this world I'll keep him uh, kind of bubbled in, you know, with nothing but the finest foods and no pain and give him everything he wants. Uh, and then he happens to see poor, starving uh, people and, and is horrified. You really can't protect yourself forever or protect anyone forever from going through this valley. Mm. And so why wouldn't you want to go through it with Jesus or go through it knowing that uh, at any time you can call on his name? Mm. Christian certainly doesn't give in to their temptation. Uh, It is true that I have not seen what you described. Nevertheless, the way ahead remains the chosen route by which I hope to arrive at my safe haven. And they say, be it your way. We will not choose it for ours. Uh, And the text that's in the footnote is Psalm 107, 8 through 10. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. Dot, dot, dot. There's more to the sentence, but there it is. Uh, (laughs) The fact that he has before already been warned. You know, you can't go ahead. You'll die. And he went ahead and was protected. Each time this happens, Mm. he's less likely to fall into somebody's uh, trap of... Right. I mean, I mean, he, he does it He does it with worldly wise man, right? He, he goes right off the path. Oh, that way's hard. This way's going to be a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And, then, and, then, and then the next time it's lions. And he at least goes to the lions. 
Yeah. And then, and then, you know, someone, someone says as well, you know, take courage and come across because they're chained. And this time he doesn't need anyone. Yeah. He's all on his, yeah. He's all so on his growth. own. Yeah. And he goes, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just go forward. Mm, yeah. That's, I hadn't thought of that, but that's yeah. a really, yeah. That's the progression of this guy's terrification. Yeah. But he does ask them to kind of describe what they see. You know, I mean, it, it's not as if he just says, I don't care what you think. He, he gives them hearing. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I have to assume these guys may be coming not even from a, a place of, hard-heartedness and what kind of trouble can we make for people not unlike how peter says to jesus you know it will never happen when he says mm-hmm. i'm going to be put to death another 30 hours no, no no no, i won't let that happen I, yeah. I won't see you go up that hill and die in the same way these guys could just be misguided i don't want to see you go down into that valley and die mm. and they don't get it and uh i <laughs> i added this little uh flourish of him Seeing that these guys are just harmless, they're not they're not any threat, and, and putting his sword away yeah. so they don't feel worried. And then as soon as he realizes what they're trying to do, yeah. to tempt him away, drawing the sword again and saying, yeah. you know, jog on, guys. I don't I don't want to hear any more of what you have to say. Hmm. And yet maybe he could have, you know, I think Mr. Greatheart probably would have talked with these guys a little more and said, why is it that you're not willing? I think I know evangelists would have said, well, mm-hmm. why are you not willing to yeah. go in there? You know, yeah. so there's still something about him that's not mature enough to see things like this as a witnessing opportunity or he, he doesn't feel the compassion or the empathy of, you know, what is this person going through? You know, if Jesus thought like this, you know, he would have sent everyone away, right? Oh, you, you have seven demons in you? Get out of here. <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean? Like, there's still something lacking here in, in his character. Well, yeah, an important part of walking the Christian walk is not just like guarding ourselves against evil and then just walking on. It is stooping down to pick others up and, 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 and realizing that we have the only answer to these fears. Christian in that moment had the only thing that was ever going to gird up these individuals. And then, and then instead of sharing it, he like, threatens them, right? Here's a sword go uh i'm gonna head off in my direction and you know you know and and almost kind of like signing the seal on their damnation in a way Hmm. Uh, yeah and and, you know there's there's a a real paradox here it's a bit of a tension hmm. but you hear exactly that tension in uh james description of true religion right yes to keep yourself unpolluted by the world which christian's great at hmm. and then the other side of it is reaching out and helping you know the widows the orphans those who are and i'm sure that christian would do that as well but i think part of that same heart is like jesus when you look at someone who's like these guys are sheep without a shepherd if i've ever seen one yep. and he isn't moved with compassion by that, he's he's really moved by self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Part of it's that he's been tricked before. He's been almost tricked before. He's worried about getting through by himself, and he mm-hmm. doesn't have anyone with him. And I wonder if even just having a buddy with him, like, like if he and Faithful came across, now we're going to see Christian and Faithful with Talkative next week, Yeah, and they also kind of just cut him loose and mm-hmm. shake him loose. But if, if the two had been together, maybe there'd be less concern about, uh-oh, i got to be on guard that this person might drag me away from the the road again, well, and, and more up, thought of, what can I do to help these guys? You brought up uh, Mr. Goodhart, and I think it's a really good example, is that he's traveling with people. Yeah. You know, he has the, you know, I mean, also he's, you know, amazing as, as, a, as a character, but like, he's traveling with people... He, he doesn't have to worry about the same things that Christian has to worry about because, yeah, he'll have people to pull him back on the right way and go, oh, no, that's distracting you or that's pulling you away. Or, you know, he, 
I think he can feel more free to um, engage in some of these dialogues. Mr. Greatheart, though, is is the guide. Like, if anyone's going to yeah. pull anyone away, it's going to be gonna him. Be, yeah, you're so right. So he's probably... It, it's hard to say in the the way time works in this in this book. Yeah. But is Christian still a fairly new convert? Oh, it's, he's right. acting like one, yeah. right? And I think by the time he's a little... I mean, Mr. Greatheart, although he's... He, he doesn't just fight the giants when they come out. He's like, I heard there's a giant over here. Yeah, I'm going to go Should fight we, them. Let's go kill it. Yeah. But he could be an 80-year-old man mm. because the kind of spiritual strength that it takes to slay these giants, it doesn't require youthful vigor. It requires maturity in the faith. Yeah. So it may just be that, yeah, he's a much more mature Christian. At any rate, though, I think that Christian does a fairly good job of dealing with these guys, and it is growth. You're right. Yeah. It's movement in the right direction. He's, he says, what did you see? And they say, why, it was the valley itself. It was dark as pitch, and then they describe all these creatures and things. And we read uh, Bunyan describe his own experience of this uh, in Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners, uh, section 261. It says this, At another time, though just before I was pretty well and savory in my spirit, yet suddenly there fell upon me a great cloud of darkness, which did so hide from me the things of God and Christ, that it was as if I never had seen or known them in my life. I was also so overrun in my soul with a senseless, heartless frame of spirit that I could not feel my soul to move or stir after grace and life by Christ. I was as if my loins were broken or as if my hands and feet had been tied or bound with chains. At this time also I felt some weakness to seize upon my outward man, which made still the other affliction the more heavy and uncomfortable to me. These these kind of dark nights of the soul where the scary thing is... Not that you don't feel God with you, but that you almost don't even want to. You can't even stir up the desire for God's presence. Mm. And that, I think, Christian experiences. And Mm. it's so well described in the Pilgrim's Progress. And that's something that, obviously, Bunyan had struggled with. Well, and we struggle with that in our everyday lives. I go to a wonderful home with uh, a wife, and I get to see my kids, and... I still slump into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and how much more would you feel that if you were locked away in prison? Right. Missing your wife and your children. Yeah, like Bunyan uh, himself like was Bunyan when he wrote was. most of this. Yeah. yeah where where, where your daughter is sick and dying and you mm-hmm. can't you know, get out and help her. And, yeah. Yeah. And then also, where's your God in that? Clearly he darker. felt God's presence, though, because he did the description of, even when it's at its darkest, it's very much like the Psalms, where... God, you're not here. You're, you're. I, I don't see you. I don't even sense you. And then, when all seems at a point of almost hopelessness, boom. But you are great. And but you, you know these these sudden epiphanies that I'm not alone. You are with me. I can't give up. Now the descriptions of some of the creatures and things actually do come right out of the King James Bible. You know, you look at the Very text, cool. the the footnote for some of this stuff. Oh, I hear the Spanish-language Pentecostal service has begun in our sanctuary. So if you can go. hear that, you'll be, you'll be blessed by it. The text given is Isaiah 13.21. It's about the judgment of Babylon. Uh, and in the King James, it reads like this. But wild beasts of the deserts shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and owls shall dwell there. The satyrs shall dance there, and the wild beasts of the islands shall cry in their desolate houses, and dragons in their pleasant places. And her time is near to come, and her days shall not be prolonged. Uh, in the ESV, it's a little less magical. 
It says, but wild animals will lie down there, and their houses will be full of howling creatures. There ostriches will dwell, and there wild goats will dance. Hyenas will cry in its towers, and jackals in the pleasant places. Its time is close at hand, and its days will not be prolonged. I'm going to say one sounds more real. One sounds more real, but, <laughs> but more grounded. One sounds way cooler. Yes. Yeah. And, so I have never run across this, but I wonder if there are KJV only guys, not based on like a preference for the Textus Receptus or a philosophy of God's preservation of yeah. manuscripts, but just based on how how cool it is. And I think there are. I, th- I think I think there are those who who that's the main reason why it the sounds amazing. Majestic language. Yeah. People. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, it's a majestic. Yeah. And you know what? It's not problematic that he's talking about dragons and satyrs and things. If that is a better translation, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. Um, I probably could convince you that I am based on uh, you know you how I was have. spitting that Hebrew earlier. Yeah, you really have, man. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't tell you whether it, these are descriptions of everyday animals hmm. or something more like Leviathan or something, where right. it's a little mythical and it's being used in a, a poetic way to describe the absolutely desolate nature of this place. That you know, it, you go in there and you're not coming back out yeah. because there's dragons and stuff. I yep. mean. And, and, you know, wild goats dancing, I'm I'm here for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you tell me down in that valley there's wild goats dancing? I'm like, what time does the show start? Yeah. Ostriches? Yeah. It sounds it's adorable. It's a zoo. Yeah, it's, it's a, a zoo. zoo. It's a zoo. But you tell me there's satyrs and dragons down there, I'm yeah. probably going to listen to these guys uh, and, and think real hard, do I want to go down there or not? Yeah. Uh, I, I Probably, I imagine that the, the proper translation is closer to the ESV than the King James, but either way... This mythical picture of this place, I think, fits the the sense of these texts very well. Uh, they also tell him unspeakable misery is down there. People who sat bound in affliction and irons all over that valley. There hung the discouraging clouds of confusion while death spread its wings and hovered over it. Uh, and a lot of this is drawn from Job. Mm. Uh, Job, who spent a lot of time in the yeah. valley of the shadow yeah. of death. In Job 3, Job is cursing the day of his birth. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, let gloom and deep darkness claim it. Let clouds dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. Mm. And then he laments the, the shortness of his life. In Job 10, 20 to 22, are not my days few? Then cease and leave me alone, that I might find a little cheer. Ugh. He's got great friends, by the way, and a great wife. Curse God dude, and die. his friends. Uh, I'll tell you what, dude. <laughs> Before I go, and I shall not return, to the land of darkness and deep shadow, the land of gloom like thick darkness, like deep shadow without any order, where light is as thick darkness. So we're, we're getting a kind of smorgasbord of the most depressing descriptions in the Bible. Sure. Uh, all woven together into this one valley he's got to walk through. When he arrives, the first thing he notices is a situation where there's a very narrow path, on one side you got a ditch, on the other side you got a quag. There is a quag there. Check that off the list. Quag. If, if you're playing Pilgrim's Progress Bingo, uh, quag, uh, you can now trademark. Yeah, well, you get your free spot in the middle. You got quag. Uh, n- no Doom references yet. <laughs> can you help yourself? Huh? This may be a reference to other things. Okay, uh, Matthew fifteen fourteen. Uh, let them alone. Jesus says they are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. So he says in the ditch on the one side, that's where all those blind guides led the the blind, and they all died together there. And on the other side, the quag or the mire 
Psalm 69, 14, deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from mine enemies and from the deep waters. Uh, King David going down into this mire. And then mm. Christian having to dredge up almost like out of a, out of a mire in his mind uh, because it's too dark there for him to do any real Bible reading. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, that I, I can relate to, right? Mm. Your, your Bible's there, but it's just you can't right now. But you've hidden something in your heart, and, and the Spirit pulls it up, and he remembers, oh, yeah, David did say, you have drawn me up out of mm. the mire and, and set my feet on, on solid ground. Uh, and that allows him to take a step forward. Uh, and yet, as he goes forward, he doesn't know where he'll put his foot down. Mm. Take a step. Don't know. It makes me think of Indiana Jones. I don't know. I can, I can see by the blank look on your face, it doesn't make you think of Indiana Jones. It definitely does not. Have you seen all three... Four, I guess there's four. Indiana Jones movies? Oh, gee. They may have been on, and I may have been in, like, a geographical location near that. Hmm. They're not in my mind at all. Well. They don't come across in, in references. I get, I get, I get, I get cultural references. You know, like like the bait and switch kind of deal. Where you, you put something heavy down on something mm-hmm. heavy you just picked up. I right. get that. Oh, okay. Right, but as far as like, is it coming into my everyday life, and am I learning lessons from it? Sorry, buddy. Well, it's never too late to change that, become a better person. Um, but <laughs> it might be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes through at the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. He has to go through a series of tests to get the Holy Grail. Oh. The first one is uh, only a penitent man will pass. Penitent man who is humble and kneels before God. And then he realizes at the last second he has to kneel because like a saw blade's coming. Ah. And then he also has to do a somersault because a vertical saw blade's coming. Oh, wow. And then you think, wait a minute. A penitent man is humble and kneels and then does a somersault before God, which is kind of stupid. But then after that, he has to show his faith and pass over this huge chasm. And it requires him to put his foot out and just step forward. And this, what's an invisible bridge, becomes visible uh, as he puts his foot down. And it makes me think of and that. ancient peoples this. built this? Well, it's <laughs> it's that... That's all I needed to know. As you're looking at it uh, from that angle, yeah. they've painted it such that it blends in perfectly with the the rock wall opposite okay. it. I gotcha. And, and all the dust and everything from over centuries hasn't done anything to deteriorate yeah. that. There's been no erosion, and it's still... It, you know what? I'm not defending it. I'm saying that you should love it. No, I just want to... Because you're an American. <laughs> okay. There's a scripture that's a better reference than yeah. uh, Indiana Jones, yeah. probably. First Samuel 2.9, he will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. We might also say walk by faith, not by sight. That narrowing of the way, to me, is it's an interesting picture. What do you think that looks like in the life of a Christian? Because there's times, there's times later where there's room for him, faithful and talkative, to all walk side by side because it's right. wider there. Here it's narrower. Yeah. One is I think it's a, I think it's obviously like a liberal idea of the concept, right? Of like the narrow way being this way that leads to salvation. Um, to like to like to like say that it like it gets narrower at points and wider at points, and mm. I, I think I think that's losing exactly what Jesus is pointing at when he's talking about a narrow way. And few finding it. Like Maybe it just found. feels narrower to him. Yeah, I mean, well, because well, because he's not alone, and I think that's what's interesting, right? Is that you know these people that warn him say that there are other people down there, right? There are other people down there caught in like you know fits, uh-huh. 
just as just as faithful crosses Christian. And, and one thing that's interesting is that faithful doesn't realize Christian in that state. You know, looking at him, he's 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 obviously so distraught, so bent out of shape that it's not even this guy that he that he knows. Uh-huh. It's not even his friend. It's a hard thing to picture. I think like the actual path getting narrower necessarily, and just like that's that's what you perceive. You know, mm-hmm. almost like almost like it looks like it's narrower, and then maybe on the other side you look and it didn't get narrower at all. But when he looks back, it is narrow. He's, yeah. He's, yeah, he can't believe he made it. Once yeah. the sun comes up, he looks back. It was narrower. I, I wonder if just it's it's a pretty mm. simple picture of yeah. each step is more difficult when things are darker when when the road is rockier. It's probably not much different than him portraying some areas as being steep yeah. and others as being level. The idea of Straight as the road, narrow as the path, straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, in many minds makes them think of just like a straight line going Mm. off into the horizon uh, rather than the kind of winding thing that we have portrayed here. Yeah. I don't know that that this isn't how Jesus had it in mind, though, right? Mm. This is a difficult road to to, to get on, to find, and to traverse, and you can only do it by God's help. So it sure. perfectly makes sense that there would be areas where it was very narrow, where if you stepped off of it, mm. you'd be in more trouble than other places, where if you stepped off, it wouldn't be as bad. I think it's, I think it's interesting to, to say, though, that Christ's concept of the narrow path is also not a geographical path. It's not, it's not something that's actually cleft anywhere that, you know, we're actually walking and then the Broadway's right next to it actually somewhere where Christ's expectation for the Christian is that he is walking on this narrow path with other people, with a local body of believers inside of a church, inside of a universal church even. So, yeah, it could be something where, like, as he looks back, it gets wider or, you know, narrower depending on how many people he had along with him. But it still seemed as though there wasn't enough space maybe just for him, mm-hmm. you know, even though there was enough space for everyone else. And Faithful could have, it might have been interesting that, like, if they went into the valley together, if they still would have had separate experiences, um, experiences yeah. or, or, if, or if bearing, you know, one another burdens, maybe maybe Christian would have had a lot easier of a time yeah. With, yeah, you know, right. with a guy. Because it is, it is Faithful words that pull him out in the, uh, in the real story, right? The thing that really pulls him out is that he hears someone singing. He hears right. someone saying these exact words. These exact yeah. words, you know, and, 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 it, and it pulls him back out. Oh, that's not me. That's not that's not these hobgoblins and dragons. It's not the blasphemies I hear in my mind. Yes, it's somebody else. So, you know, if he would have entered with a group of people. They could have been singing together, like Paul and together. Silas in the yes. prison, right? Yeah, and, 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 you know, maybe that would have made the, that increasingly narrow path just a little wider, a little more palatable. I always like to think that it is faithful that he's describing in mm-hmm. uh, you know he hears that that voice uh, and obviously I ran with that because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the linchpin of the whole way that I presented it that, that it has to be him that, yeah. that uh, they're they're helping each other even when they're not aware that they are and then they come yeah. together but yeah maybe the narrowness the perceived narrowness is a function of his solitude as a Christian mm-hmm. in that moment at any rate, he gets to the mouth of hell. I don't even want to discuss why the mouth of hell is along the Pilgrim Road. It's so strange, uh, but it's a cool maybe, image. Maybe path of destruction, you know, running right alongside of it, right into the mouth of hell. Shouldn't the mouth know. of hell be there at the end of the path? Of at the end of the, the path. wide road, yeah. like yeah. I don't know. It's really weird, and nobody that I can find has written much about it that that really was just sounds cool yeah and it, it's yeah. just one of those things it just sounds cool it's cool it's yeah. very cool to, to come across the mouth of hell where the dragon's coming from 
Yeah, right? And and the shrieks and screams yeah. and stuff, they're at the bottom of this valley. And maybe it's just a mouth of hell. Maybe the, mm. it's like a one vent or yeah. something, the, an entrance of hell. <laughs> an exhaust vent. <laughs> you got to dig those first when it you're building hot. Camp. Yeah, it gets yeah. hot. Uh, but out, uh, at that place is where he realizes he's got to put the sword yeah. of the spirit back in the sheath because it's not doing the trick with all the creatures here. Mm. And he takes out all prayer. Um, and in Ephesians 6, where the, the armor of God is described, uh, we have the sword of the spirit as kind of the only exclusively offensive weapon. Mm. Uh, and then also uh, in 618, in that same section, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Yeah. And it's been suggested by many before me that, that uh, if you portray the armor of God, there's a missing piece uh, yeah. that every Roman soldier would have, which is that javelin, and that, that could be kind of all prayer. And so I, I ran with that, and it worked really well to have that be something to stab some, yeah. some goblins out of the sky with. Well, and in that moment, prayer becoming complete reliance on God as opposed to Bible reading mm-hmm. still being your brain, right? Your brain and your heart processing, forming, melding, conforming you to the image of God prayer really being that thing that you're just casting everything down and saying that this is completely outside of my control. I have no uh, way to deal with these problems here. Yeah. Um, In fact, he quotes Psalm 116.4 when he pulls it out. Uh, Then I called on the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, mm -hmm. I pray, deliver my soul. This this is a Jesus take the wheel, if you will. (laughs) I won't. (laughs) I won't either. I absolutely won't. I'm returning this. Here's my receipt from a second ago. <laughs> I won't but be wearing it out. That that yeah. is always interesting to me when he he puts the word away. Like mm. there is a time when even yeah, like you said, reading the scripture is still me taking ideas and applying them. And there comes often a point where you what you've hidden in your heart is there. Yeah, and and now it's time to just take you know. Throw your hands up and say, uh, it has to be all about prayer, casting my cares upon him and trusting him in this moment. Well, and, and what you've hidden in your heart is what you pray. The you know essential Bible truths, the thing that you know about yourself and the thing you know about your Savior, you know, being the things that you internalize and pray uh, in that moment, that's the key to victory, I think, inside of a, a dark night of the soul, um, outside of other people being able to reach in and pick you up. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, Even in that Ephesians 6, I think you see that because he describes, it's like at the beginning of a television show, if someone is far more famous than other people, Mm -hmm. it'll be like starring this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy with Danny DeVito as Frank Reynolds. And you you go, okay, so that guy's the, (laughs) and, and, and it says, you know, take up this, take up this, taking up this. With yeah. all prayer. You know, it's like all of these things have to be undergirded with the prayer, your righteousness, your faith, your the, the sword itself, the word of God. And I will sometimes tend, I think, to get in my own way mm-hmm. by my uh, attempted scholarly reading of God's mm-hmm. word and all my right. all my great learning, et cetera, et cetera, when really <laughs> it's not worth a hill of beans mm-hmm. if it's not uh, infused with a deep trust of God that throws all of this off of my shoulders and onto his. Mm. Uh, it, it's a really cool picture that that is the turning point for mm. him, right? Coming through right. here, suddenly yeah. he's he's a little more confident and it seems doable. 
Although he does continue to hear doleful voices and rushes back and forth so that sometimes he thought he'd be torn in pieces or trodden underfoot like mire in the streets. Mm. Uh, two texts which reference uh, being trodden like mire are Second Samuel 22, 43 and Micah 7, 10. Then my enemy will see and shame will cover her who said to me, where is the Lord your God? My eyes will look upon her. Now she will be trampled down like the mire of the streets. And yet... We read, the fiends seemed to draw nearer and nearer, but when they seemed to be almost upon him, he cried out with such an impassioned cry, I will walk in the strength of the Lord. Psalm seventy-one, sixteen: with the mighty deeds of the Lord, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. I will walk in the strength of the Lord. And at that point, they start to draw back. <laughs> this to me is the creepiest part of this. And this is a creepy chapter. Mm. This was the creepiest part. Just when he came close to the mouth of the burning pit, one of the wicked ones sneaked up behind him ever so softly and whispered in his ears many suggestive and distressing blasphemies. At this point, he didn't know his own voice anymore. Mm. And he could hear the enemy say something and think it was his own. Yeah. Um, A different tactic than what you saw with the fight with Apollyon, which was, you know, forward combat. You know, him actually crushing against you and trying to oppress you and push you down. Um, Instead, this is that serpentine uh, attack of your own words, your own thoughts, your own sinful flesh that's, you know, he knows is going to be with you until you die, and he's going to continually use it against you. Where it becomes, uh, I know I've had it, it seems stupid too, because, you know, I don't believe that. Why did I just think that? Mm -hmm. Why did I think this thing about Trinity? You know, you know, I don't, I, I don't believe this about the Trinity, or I don't believe this about God not hearing my prayers, or you know, because I know, I, I know the mediator is perfect, and I know that I'm imperfect. I don't, I don't believe these things. How come they'd ever enter into my mind? It is as though they're just placed there. Yeah, they're just kind of airdropped in. Just you know, suddenly it's in your mind. And and, and there's something in you that receives them. There's some something yeah. in you that can connect with them, and that's the flesh. It's that flesh, yeah. But it's still. I think the whole point of it is to draw you into shame mm. and make you feel like, okay, now I can't even talk to him because I've had this thought or I've I've believed this thing about him or I've made this accusation in my mind against him. Well, I think it makes the second swoop of Apollyon now more effective because now he has the ability to come back to you and say, oh, remember you thought this. Right, yeah. You thought this now and, and you know, and... And now he has the ability to re, you know, apply the pressure and make you start questioning, well, what do I really believe? What do I believe about this? Yeah. The, the text here is 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. That seems to me a little bit of a oblique uh, reference. Mm. Uh, but I definitely... The, the, the enemy being the, the father of lies... And from the very beginning, those lies being told about God. Yeah. Um, you know, even in the garden, this is perfectly in keeping with, with what we would expect. The idea that I can get you to think blasphemous thoughts, and then I can use those as a wedge between you and the Savior. Mm-hmm. Just like I could get you to do wicked things or say wicked words, and then what you want to do is... Oh, well, my sermon this morning was about Achan, who just buried all of his sin in his tent and kept it there, rather than burning it up. You know, the Mm. idea, dig it up and give it to him. This is an incredibly deadly tactic of the enemy, and it's the worst thing that happens to Christian in in the valley. I think so. Yeah, big time. 
and you know that's saying something when you've got flying goblins swooping at you through the flames, and uh, you've got weird think, impy things grabbing your all prayer and wrestling you for it. I think you even said in your version that it was you know the worst thing that he'd kind of really come upon yet. Yeah, it almost broke him. I yeah. think that's I think that's probably a really really apt thing because you know you know you know this is the place where he's most likely to fall from his beliefs, um, where everyone else you know like he could have died fighting Apollyon, but died for Christ fighting Apollyon. Yeah. Not not betraying his core beliefs of who Jesus is. And even Apollyon acknowledges it. Oh, I'll kill you, and you can say hi to your master for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a death I'll die. Uh, that's okay. You start, you know, you, you, you throw me in a scenario now where I'm, I'm twisting things around in my own mind about who God is, what God is, uh, what is truth. Did God really say... You know these kind of these kind of destructive twists, and now this is a much more deadly game we're playing. This isn't just facing something and dying. You know, yeah. this is yeah, with the certainty that it's uh, instant it's transport it. into his presence. Yeah. Now yeah. it's is is there even a presence? Yeah. Would he even want you? Yeah. Uh, is he even good? Mm-hmm. Is he even there? All these. I think that that is even a blasphemous thought to have, and it's probably not a very popular opinion, Hmm. but entertaining the idea at length that Hmm. God may not even be real for a believer is is a blasphemy. Now, all manner of sins and blasphemies will be forgiven, but that one is a a real blasphemy, and when you think it, you know, I've I've got a line I want to work into this later that, that I think is kind of clever, and that is, you know, like your doubts are traitors. Shakespeare said that. I didn't. I didn't come up with that. But what you do with tra- and and we can quote Shakespeare because the timing is just right. Mm. Uh, I've already done it. Um, but what you do with traitors is you you give them a fair trial. Mm. You uh, accuse them. You prove them to be traitors, and then you hang them. Mm. You don't hang out with them. You right. know. You don't. You don't spend time with them and make them your buddies and let them move into your spare room. Mm. You know. And and so it becomes a blasphemy. I think. A lot of these thoughts, when we let them latch on, Christian doesn't do that. Yeah. He gets immediately troubled by it. And as soon as he recognizes these two ill-favored ones, and these are these are voices I know from before I was even saved. Yeah. This can't be me. Mm-hmm. This can't be God. Yeah. He, he, he's free of them. So where I took some liberties uh, was in trying to harmonize the situation where these guys are super close to each other. One and they have to be at least in the neighborhood of the same time in this valley, if not at the same time. And certainly, if the words that Christian hears are are faithfuls, they're there simultaneously. And yet, one has darkness and frights and terrors, and the other one has sunny days, good times, noodle salad. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, uh, uh, you and I kind of brainstormed on this little workshop this a bit, and the idea of having a, a landmark that would place them both at the same place at the same time, and having it be this tree uh, that to one of them calls to mind the Trinity, calls to mind the you know the rod and staff of the Lord comforting him, the rootedness of this faith, you know, mm-hmm. the, the roots going down, and the promise of new life, and yeah. all of the things that come with it, and cause him to just start breaking forth in some praise, and then seeing this guy, yeah. who's just kind of crumpled to the ground, his face to the ground, so we can't see his face. He's never seen Christian in armor, so the right. first thing from his mind is that this right. is Christian. And then having him sort of give some not great 
encouragement. <laughs> like, could be worse. Come on, get up, chin up, uh, and then go, you know, continue. Because he's been burned. He's not mm-hmm. going to get drawn in again. Yeah. But at least he's trying, you know, to, to help this, this, this fella. And then cutting to Christian and seeing how he comes upon this tree, or he already has. Mm-hmm. And it's described almost the same as far as its structure, et cetera, but instead of bringing, you know, his heart up, it just crushes him. Yeah. The eggs that were in the nest, instead of being kind of a thought of new life that comes via, you know, the the triune God and his acts of salvation becomes like this grotesque abomination that's about to burst forth. And, and, you know, the whole thing is kind of disgusting, horrifying, and, and steals his... Any forward momentum. Mm. And, and you thought that this uh, was well executed. I really and do. And I want you just to talk about it. that. Just to, just to praise you? you know, I'll just, praise you. Just do it. And I'm just going to sit in a prominent chair next to you and listen. Sure. Um, yeah, I loved... I'm, I'm, I'm someone who loves like, um, like a dual imagery... A lot. I like when, you know, one thing can mean two things. Um, I think that, I think we both love images in that way. So seeing that, seeing that these two people are in the same place at the same time and this rod is there comforting one and crushing the other in a way is, especially if we're talking about inside of the Psalms, just a really interesting yeah. um, uh, image where, you know, you know, like God's rod being used to crush some people, you know, especially David lamenting about his sins with Bathsheba talks about being crushed by the hand of God mm-hmm. and he's sleepless. And, you know, you know this, this kind of unrepentant sin is, which I'm not, I'm not saying that maybe this is that he needs to repent of the sins of these follies and these unbeliefs that he's thinking. And, you know, but, but I mean, but I mean, it's not so much a comfort as it is for faithful and how two Christians can come to the same, even scriptural reference, maybe. Right. And one draws just life everlasting from it, and the other one just finds discomfort. I think that in a really easy one we can go to here is like a Romans 9 kind of situation and have one say, isn't this encouraging great news? Mm. Look at God's sovereignty. Look at right. God's power. Look at God's uh, greatness and his mercy and his goodness and who deserves it. And then, you know, they can fall on their face and worship God over it. And other people would look at it and say, that's uncomfortable. I yeah. don't like that. That's not uh, the I God feel, that I, I feel crushed over mm-hmm. it. Well, one of my best friends who, you know, brought me into faith, I watched him really struggle and toil and grow into a little bit of a spiritual stupor and depression, wrestling with some of these concepts, knowing what he believed, but saying, I'm uncomfortable believing that. That does not fit in with what I think. Yeah, yeah, I I had a similar situation. Mm -hmm. I I went into college in 96, a a pre-seminary program, Mm Very much not bought into the doctrines of grace. I believe in the, the doctrine of grace. I didn't believe what we call <laughs> yeah. the doctrines of grace, which yeah. is, you know, often termed Calvinism. And then I was there and in seminary over the course of about nine years. Hmm. Uh, and it took some time for me. And it was no professor pushing me in any one direction or anything. It was just being pushed into God's word hmm. again and again and again. Uh, and I think even less controversial things, like just... yeah. Thinking about God's might mm-hmm. and who he is, depending on what's going on in your life and kind of where your head and your heart and your spirit are at, can either lift you or yeah. can feel awful. And, and that's something that I think 
is to be repented of, mm. that I want the heart that when I when I think about you, when I meditate on your law, like mm. David, when I even just ponder how great and mighty you are, that is for me a, a source of hope and comfort and encouragement. Especially something that's meant for comfort. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what this is for. It's for how faithful sees it. Have, have you experienced this? I have, I think, where, you know, I'll even open my Bible to a marked page that was for me at a difficult time, a great comfort, and it will ring hollow. And, and obviously God didn't change. Mm-hmm. My position in the valley is the difference. And, and, and it's like, you know, Christian's realization when he has these four epiphanies and I've had fun figuring out ways to put these numbered lists in in right. a way that seems organic. Yeah. And him like just multiplying and listing these blessings to bolster himself and give him the strength to stand up. Um, w- one of them is, I recognize God is with me. I know that. I know that. That this sense that he's not here is in my perception and this place. It's not in his power or his presence or lack thereof. Mm. You know, and, and I've had times when I've had to like override the kind of flatness of my emotions when I encounter God's word with my thoughts. And, and then, you know, you get to the point where you put this, the sword back in the scabbard and you just go to all prayer and and you say, none of this is working right now. And I, and you know, maybe this is also when you need the spirit to pray with the groanings, you know, that we don't know, but that, that this is what needs to be prayed for right now. Uh, I, I think that Christian is lost here. Yeah. And it's just a whiff of another believer who's who's there that that he can grab onto mm. and, and pulls him up. Because when you read that list, it starts and ends with, there's somebody else here who fears the Lord. Let me get up and keep on moving. Because he felt like he was he was stuck. And and that's you know where he is when he hears that voice. He feels like he is going to just be crushed down to the ground of this valley and there stay forever. Uh, with or without, I've, you know, the image of the tree. Yeah, I, I've definitely been in places like that. There, you know, there's been there's been times when um, I think it's I think it's Psalm seventy three. Whom do I have in heaven but you? And on earth I desire nothing besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Like you know, being able to rely on that as a concept mm-hmm. and say that and say that none of the strength is coming from me, and my heart and my flesh will fail, and you know you know these wills and these thoughts that I have are going to let me down eventually, and I have to just rely that God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever, and be satisfied in that in a particular moment that has rang true for me for a long time, and then there's sometimes that I'll go to that and it'll just be completely hollow because mm. it doesn't feel like God's being strength for me in this moment yeah um, and we touched um, on this a bit when we talked about um, the pal's beautiful. And about how beneficial it was to have people there that could rebolster his belief and pull him back up and have someone. And, 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 and luckily, early on in my salvation, it was really impressed on me hard that you need to be part of a local you know, body of believers. Whoever did that did you a very, very great big favor. favor. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, there's a couple of key truths that you really need to know to be an effective Christian. And it isn't a whole ton of theology necessarily. I think it's a lot of really practical rubber meets the road things and belonging to a biblical body of believers is like number two or three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there behind know your Bible and pray maybe. So 
I can really I can really feel for Christian here being completely broken, and I can also feel myself inside of faithful as well being you know just just overjoyed about what he's coming to in the same circumstance. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it'll be like one day you feel something and the next day you don't, and it'll be the same section yeah. of scripture. Yeah. When I was when I was doing the um, MacArthur Bible Challenge, which is to read like the same book of the Bible for forty days, uh-huh. you know, I had First Peter. And there were some days in it that that book would just sing for me. And it would make me want to worship. And it would make me cry and have a prayer life like I've never had before. And then the next day, it was just reading it to get through it. Hmm. I'm just doing it to check off the box. I said I'd do it 40 times. I'm going to do it 40 times. So it's not even like that when you're in your Bible reading, some of it connects with you and some of it doesn't. And that's okay. It's the same thing again and again and again. same thing again and again and again. And it's it's fluctuating its impact inside of my life. And, And, of course, the scriptures, we look to them among other things, mm. to kind of give us warm fuzzies and, and perk us up, you know, make me have a good day or whatever. <laughs> it, it, this is kind of how, you know, we tend to treat them a little bit superstitiously. Um, and if not superstitiously, maybe a little stitiously. <laughs> and, and, like, I think we need to recognize, just like good preaching, for example, or or worship itself, or prayer, mm. that... Often God gives us by his grace these wonderful rewards in them where mm. we feel transported by amazing worship or even fellowship with the church. And other times we don't. And that's incidental. Mm. It's not the main point. It's a byproduct here or there. It's a, a gift. It's extra. It's a grace of God. Right. But all the while we still are commanded to open our scriptures and read commanded to turn to him in prayer. Even when I swear my words are just bouncing off the ceiling and God's not hearing them. Yes, he is. And you know, in your head that he is and the enemy wants to take that, that little kernel of thought of, I don't know if God even hears me and get up behind you. Like, like, uh, you know, at the, the mouth of hell and start whispering those things. Got to cut that off. We've got to mm-hmm. say whether or not it makes me feel good, I'll be obedient. Mm-hmm. And so faithful's feeling really good in this moment. Christian's not. Christian's obedience here is probably more impressive. Christian's continuing on the road anyway is probably, yeah. you know, he ha- faithful's gotten his reward in the moment already. Mm-hmm. You know, he's having a great day. <laughs> Christian's right. doing the hard work of yeah. discipleship right now. And it's working a peculiar weight of glory. Right, yeah, Ooh. inside of suffering. Yeah, you sound like a Puritan, but I think I think it's Paul's, right? It's Paul. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you're you're going to the, oh, the old, yeah, 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 yeah. You're going to the old country, Peculiar. as it were. Yeah, that's where I live. You're going where there's dragons and satyrs, buddy. That's why unicorns. That's where I'd rather be. <laughs> okay, so he moves on from that place, and not too long after that, he, day breaks. Mm. Yea, though I walk through yep. the valley of the shadow of death. And, you know, that's, that's a great reminder, I think. Um, another, I, I'm going to try and give a little trite, little uh, bumper sticker slogan every week now that I did it last time. With uh, next time the devil reminds you of your, your, your past, etc. Um, yeah. With Jesus, the worst thing's never the last thing, right? Or something like that. I, I don't know. I, I don't know these things well enough. But there's always, there's always going to be a tomorrow with Christ. Even if it's not here on earth. Yeah. Even, even if, you know, you go into the valley of the shadow of death... And, and that's the end of your life, mm. you still have life eternal. 
And so he's going to come out of it. And, and this daybreak is this sudden validation of the hope that against all common sense even, or against all of his thoughts to the contrary and, and his every instinct, he held on to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so it, it, day breaks and uh, he quotes some scripture, which somehow I failed to write down. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, no, here it is. Oh. Um, I think Amos 5.8. Uh, and this is another one where we have a little distinction in the, the King James to the ESV. And the King James, Seek him that maketh the seven stars and Orion and turneth the shadow of death into the morning. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. In the ESV, He who made the Pleiades and Orion and turns deep darkness into the morning and darkens the day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name. Wow. So he begins to praise him because suddenly there's this burst. And I think it's funny that later on, it's when the light comes out is when uh, the giant falls asleep. The, right. The, the giant yeah. despair. Yeah. Uh, it's a similar thing, right? Mm-hmm. When the light comes out, his dark night of the soul is coming to an end and his hope is revived. Uh, and he looks back and he sees what he's been through and he's just filled with thanksgiving that God brought him through it. Even though it's in the a, moment he was just shuffling along. It's it's a We mentioned Job earlier and this is a really great tit for tat with Job. Look at all the uh, terrible sufferings. Look at all the terrible advice mm-hmm. that, you know, God makes them repent of even giving him. And then God's answer is all but where were you? Where were you when I did this? Where were you when I did that? Have you seen these storehouses? Have you done this? Have Surely you, done that? you know. Look at how look at how great and massive and big I am. Who am I to have to answer to you, right? Gird yourself up like a man. I will ask you questions and mm-hmm. you will answer. And then Job's realization in those moments. Oh, he's right. What have I been through? What have I been through that I have right to ask you questions? I was looking at this from the wrong direction. Yeah, 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 big time. <laughs> from the very beginning. Yeah. And I love that when he looks back too, we read apparently after daybreak, they were reluctant. This is the dragons and the satyrs and all those. They were reluctant to draw near. Though he saw them in fulfillment of it being written, he reveals deep things out of darkness and brings to light mm. the shadow of death. Yeah. Uh, Job twelve twenty two. It's uh, you. You anticipated that coming. Uh, that's that's to me a, a beautiful idea. And then right on the heels of this, as he looks up, he's giving thanks that now he can see because he knows. This last stretch is even more dangerous than the goblins all over because there's yeah. trip wires, there's pits, there's all this stuff. And so he's thankful for that. And then he sees a guy up ahead. And I've, I've smooshed the timeline and massaged it a little bit. But he, he sees this guy and he, he says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to connect with him. And he starts running for him and boom, goes down into a pit and is dangling for his life and is pulled out. And the text of, of him being rescued by faithful uh, is Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10, a wonderful text for two are better than one because they have a reward for their toil. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. He was alone, but finally he's, he's finally. reconnected with this guy. Finally. I have to confess, I said from the beginning, I said on the video on my Patreon page before I even started this that I wasn't going to leave anything out that Bunyan put in because I'm so done with people doing that. But I did leave out what I thought was a very random reference. I couldn't figure out how to work it in of him running after Faithful and Faithful, apropos of nothing, who has just had a wonderful sunny time in this, saying, no, 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 I'm not going to stop and running faster, saying that the Avenger of Blood is hot on my tail. 
It's not brought up before. It's not brought up after. Huh. And I just wanted the uh, full disclosure, drop that right there. This is probably, I think, the first aspect of the allegory that I, I just skipped. I don't know what to make of it. I know I know what to do with the Avenger of Blood and the Kinsman Redeemer. I just don't didn't know how to fit it into the story. Hmm. Uh, I left it out. Mia culpa, so sorry. And so they're together then uh, in, in this telling uh, when they come upon at the end of the valley these two giants, or really just one giant, because one of them mm. is, is dead now. Uh, and or. there were no texts on these uh, guys. It just said, see Fox's Book of Martyrs, in, in yeah. uh, the, the version that I'm using for the it's, footnotes. It's in the original story, right, right, Bunyan's, Bunyan's understanding, being a white guy in the middle of London, is that paganism is gone. Is yeah. gone. And oh, yeah. there are witches and things that we're worried about. Right, and, and also the rest of the world. And, yeah, you yeah. Know, that's also Yeah, he probably <laughs> has a very cartoony idea of what's going on of in different going, continents right. and things. But, uh, but like, yeah, Pagan's that, dead. He's Pagan's gone. dead. In our right edition, Pagan is missing. Yeah, well, he, he's know, popping up here and there. I think it's a playful yeah thing to say that. There's you know, reports you know, of Pagan Reports around. of neo-Paganism and things like that. And, 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 and you can see, you know, almost anywhere. Me and, me and Zach were kind of making fun of a, a book the other day in the Kindle store um, talking about witchcraft and um oh, some, aspects, right. some aspects of witchcraft <laughs> which were really interesting very um, cute aspects of witchcraft yeah but yeah. you know you know this being on you know you know front pages again yeah. and things Absolutely, like that yeah. but, you know it never would have been in that period london oh yeah you would have been you know if you wait the same as a duck you're yeah. in trouble <laughs> uh so so that's an interesting thing and then and then and then the change between calling him pope and calling him pontiff which is almost the exact same thing. My thought was this. This picture of what a pope is, is Bunyan's picture of, of it, informed by persecutions mm-hmm. that have... So, I mean, you look at the early, early church, you have first Jewish persecution of the church in the in the synagogues and by the Sanhedrin and things, and then, you know, the, the beating of, of the apostles and the, the martyrdom of James and stuff, and then that gives way to the Roman persecution. And... It seems like in Bunyan's life, um, there was probably the. I mean, the Inquisition is still active. It's still right. active after Bunyan's death. Right. But it's kind of passe where he is. What's going on now is an Anglican persecution of Baptists. Mm-hmm. That's that's what he's struggling with, and of Puritans, Puritan separatists in general. Yeah. And so to him, paganism is way old news. Yeah. And and the Pope is kind of mostly. Passe, right? All he can do is sort of chew on his fingernails and, and mumble while you walk by. Well, and threaten. And yeah, threaten he'll never mend until more of you are burned. And, and so he's almost harmless, but still these giants are there, and they're a reminder mm. of the danger to true believers, true pilgrims on the road. I'm not trying to make an apology for or, or change what Bunyan's saying or anything. I just wanted to ground it in the historical context, which, I mean, the, the term pontiff, it, it's drawn from a, a pagan Roman priest, and then it was actually, more recently, hmm. officially adopted by the, the papacy, right. so it doesn't do that very well. But in my mind, it's the same thing as in the Baptist uh, Confession, the 1689. Hmm. It says, uh, the head of the church is Christ. It cannot be that Pope of Rome, for hmm. he is, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing or trying to, to, to not paraphrase, but failing, uh, for he is that man of sin, that antichrist. Um, and, oh, do you have it right there? There's no other head of the church but the Lord Jesus Christ. Pope there is Rome, no other head of the church but the Lord Jesus Christ, nor can the Pope of Rome in any sense be head thereof. Um, 
That's the Westminster. So, so the Baptists added a little more yeah. uh, and, and call him Antichrist. And I always uh, put that in a footnote. And this, this, it's a point of contention with some Baptists or people in a Reformed movement. But I think I, I will wholeheartedly agree that the Pope sitting on the chair at that time Absolutely Antichrist. Hmm. Uh, there have been many Antichrists. John says the Antichrist is coming. Um, absolutely. The popes behind the Inquisitions, absolutely. I think to just draw a straight line to the papacy as it ex- exists today is to maybe lose the thread of what Bunyan was teaching because he was teaching in a historical context. So I'm not, I'm not saying I'm, I'm pro-papacy now. I just wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to kind of root it in a world that was inhabited by John Bunyan, where the, the, this giant was a looming but kind of played out threat to the church, mm. and there were more significant threats on his radar. Like, the next giant they come to isn't right. just sitting right, there right. mumbling. Right, isn't sitting there, isn't biting his fingernails. <laughs> no. Yeah. He's yeah. a real threat, and, and this is one that, and what's funny is Bunyan himself, when he's in... I mean, he's in Doubting Castle when he's in Bedford Jail, right? Yeah. Uh, and when he's there, he's there because of persecution. Mm. But he doesn't identify that that uh, giant as, you know, Archbishop of Canterbury or whoever, or Archbishop Laud or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, this, this is despair itself. Mm. That's the real enemy to him. Yeah. So... The the thought of he, he's not probably worried that he's going to be put to death for his faith. Well, what can mere mortals do to you? What they can do is they yeah. can try to break your spirit, mm-hmm. and they can and they can separate you from your family, and they can saddle you with despair. And so he's got his experience of of uh, persecution, and that's the way he presents things. Hmm. And they walk right by this guy. <laughs> I I yeah. thought it was funny. Did you did you chuckle when when, he, when Faithful said, "I don't know, what he's saying yeah, just ignore him." Yeah. Well, it, it's it's just ignore him. Just forget about that guy. Yeah. It's it's well. I think in our day and age, it's even more of a kind of like who knows whatever Rome's doing right now. Right. You know where where you know we're we're even further removed from inquisitions and you know you know like especially well, like post like Vatican II or the last edition of the, the catechism catechism yeah, yeah separated brethren and kind of there, there's there's Same. more what does that look like yeah. now it, it it looks disjointed and even more confused yeah and and i think that uh, the particulars were even at that time outside of uh, bunyan's mm. purview and, and his concern he was just showing you know, just like often the the lions that are chained are said to be church and state, right? And and you know the the persecution, and and I think that that probably was likely what Bunyan had in mind. So these these two are probably the Roman and the ecclesial persecutions. Mm. You know, whether it's Trajan and then later on Pope Leo or whatever persecutions of of true believers, and they're there, but. A pilgrim just keeps on walking the road. Yeah, and, yeah, and that is the the way it ends. And and it's not long after that they're best back to talking about how's it been for you. You know they. Yeah, they don't stop and throw rocks at him. Right, and they you don't know, engage you know, him. You don't and they engage don't, yeah. him, and then oh yeah, let's 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 argue about it. Let's go ahead and argue about Trent. What do you, you mean? Know? More well, of us are burned. Yeah, you know. And not to say that there's not room for interfaith dialogue and, and, and intertraditional dialogue and things. There certainly are. But but in a picture of what it looks like to walk this narrow path, there are innumerable things that can draw you aside. Mm. Some of them are just curiosities, and some of them are uh, 
you know, threatenings and, and stop your, and some of them are temptations to, to lead you away mm. into Wanton's bed or illegality in the house of, you know, this guy and his son's civility. All of these things are, are they're vying for our attention. Mm. Uh, and we can't take our eyes off the shining light in the distance. Yeah. So if you're at one of these crossroads and, and there are things calling you away from the narrow road, sometimes you have to just say ignore it, power through. If you are in the valley of the shadow of death right now, and when you open your scriptures, it doesn't feel like there's anything behind them. And when you pray, it feels like it's just bouncing right off the ceiling. I encourage you, switch out your sword for all prayer. Cry out to the Lord. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your hand to the plow. Keep on the narrow road. Thanks for listening. To support this program and for additional content and perks, visit patreon.com slash pilgrimsprogress. Make sure you don't miss a beat by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, and please take a moment to leave us an honest review. This recording, copyright 2022, high and silver, all rights reserved. Produced by Brad Atchison and Zachary Bartles. Theme music licensed from pond5.com. Scripture quotations are from the ESV Bible, the Holy Bible English Standard Version, copyright 2001 by Crossway, a publishing ministry of good news publishers, used by permission, all rights reserved. For more audio experiences of my fiction, visit www.zacharybartles.com audio. Hi, and Silva. Good.